Welcome to another edition of Speaking Out America. I'm your host, Jim Watkins. Monday through Friday, 9 to 10 a.m. right here on crntalk.com. In the afternoon replay at 5 p.m. Pacific as well. It's always good to have you here. Lots to cover in the news today. Never a dull moment. And our hearts and prayers have to go out to the people of Maui. Fueled by strong winds from Hurricane Dora, wildfires left widespread damage across the Hawaiian island of Maui. Local authorities say 36 people have died. Hundreds of buildings have been destroyed. I have friends there. I know Mike Horn with uh, CRN has friends there. As the firefighting efforts continue, 36 total fatalities have been discovered according to the Maui County Statement. These wildfires were started earlier this week and rapidly spread on Wednesday. Preliminary estimates show that nearly 300 structures have been damaged or destroyed and more than 1,000 acres of Maui's upcountry have been charred. Power is out for thousands across the west of Maui. On Wednesday night, thousands of people lined Maui's Kalui Airport trying to escape the inferno. Mass evacuations were conducted in the resort town of Lahaina earlier in the day. Maxar Technologies showing before and after pictures that are just devastating. Just a small area of, of the island. Uh, one person wrote on Twitter, Utter devastation left by the wildfires in Maui. It is far from hyperbole say, to say that Lahaina has been wiped off the map. Other details include Hawaii's Lieutenant Governor, Sylvia Luke, describing the fire as unprecedented. 36 killed, several unaccounted for. Three helicopters from the U.S. Coast Guard and U.S. Navy were used in search and rescue efforts along the West Maui coastline, and a federal team arrived Wednesday to help search for efforts in the Lahaina area. Outages, more than 11,000 customers on Maui were without power as of 11 p.m. According to poweroutage.us, accounting for about 15% of the island's customers, power crews are working to repair down lines, and additional crews are being deployed from Oahu. Cell service is also out for thousands of Maui, Mauians, or Hawaiians really. It could take days or even weeks to fix the network. Officials have been using satellite phones to communicate with providers on the west side of Maui to restore power to the area. This is one of the United States. 2,100 people were in four emergency uh, shelters in Maui. As of Tuesday night, the mayor's office said, well, there's enough shelter for an emergency response for a few days, there simply is not enough shelter for long-term living. And this continues. Now, they're saying it's uh, dry winds and a hurricane Dora, and something was kindled, and the fire ensued. Pretty bad. Pretty quick way to go, too, man. Just paradise is sometimes a double-edged sword. I, I couldn't imagine being on an island without power, without any kind of, I mean, whew. Uh, I bet you a lot of people work together. A lot of heroes are emerging from this tragedy. Uh, it's good to have you here on this Wednesday. Uh, lots to talk about. 
I find it a, a bit ironic. I don't know, maybe I'm just this way, but yesterday President Biden was was uh, standing behind uh, or in front of the Grand Canyon talking about how he uh, how he's seizing the land. You know, he's making it his own. No uranium drilling, uh, keep everything, keep... I, I wonder, it's, this has always been this way, right, with the government. The U.S. government sees, takes, is, right? And it's funny because he's talking about it, Biden was, and he was interviewed by Stephanie Abrams, of all people, from the Weather Channel. And uh, he's talking about climate change. And he doesn't realize that the land behind him is a result of climate change. Millions of years of climate change. Does he not realize that the Grand Canyon was once a major roaring river? And that if you go back far enough, that was actually a raging inland sea? Uh, so for him to stand up there and ridiculously say that in the name of climate change, they're going to take over or they already own its federal land, can do whatever they want to. It's just, there's a, there's a little bit of irony there. I mean, I mean, this guy, I, I truly believe he, he wanted, a, there was a report out I read today that Biden wanted to end and shut off all gas um, refineries, pumping stations in the United States, but yet for laws that got in his way, he couldn't do it. He really in his heart and mind believes that if you cut off the oil supply, that uh, you're going to eliminate carbon and then the temperature will drop. And this is, he's surrounded by people who believe this. There's no scientific evidence to show this, obviously. But he believes it. John Kerry believes it. They're going around the world, forcing, extorting people, buying them off, doing whatever they can to get people to stop what they're doing. Stop the production of, of cheap, efficient fuel that powers civilization. And they honestly believe that they're doing everything for the right reason. So, until that stops, we're going to continue to have that kind of insanity. Anyway, lots in the news today. Nan Su will be joining us a little later to talk about the latest Chinese threat. You know, they've been amassing warships in the Aleutian Island change. That's quite a distance away. As a matter of fact, it's so far away. Uh, I think I read that the Aleutian Island chain... Of, of Alaska is the only city that is the farthest west and the farthest east. Isn't that amazing? It's so far, the, the, the tentacles of the Aleutian Island chain go all the way from the western hemisphere across the international timeline to the east and to the north. So it's, well, there's one island, it might be Kodiak or something, that has the distinction of being the farthest north, the farthest east, and the farthest west. And Russian and Chinese warships have been amassing up there. And if you look at a map, you see that there's only a couple of ways that American military might, in the form of our ships and destroyers, and there's only certain ways that we could protect Taiwan from a distance. Well, there'd be Guam, there'd be Hawaii, and then there'd be the Aleutian Island chains. And the Aleutian Island chains are closer to Taiwan 
and that part of uh, West, uh, Eastern Asia. So perhaps that's why they're setting up camp there, to provide some sort of a barrier so that our U.S. Navy could not amass its ships there without some sort of confrontation. We'll have to wait and see. Um, we got to talk about that guy in Utah because it's an interesting story. Out of nowhere, all of a sudden we hear about this 75-year-old man who has been going online and ma making all these threats to the president and everybody's got like a hit list. 75-year-old man, former vet, big Second Amendment advocate, self-proclaimed MAGA advocate. And he spent a lot of time online, Facebook, just posting some really ridiculously stupid things. I mean, you just don't do that. I don't care how angry you are. You can be, you have a right to be angry. God knows a lot of people, yours truly, are very angry at the policies of the president and the policies of this administration. Uh, and people who read more know, understand the impacts of, of Biden's policies. But in no way does it give anybody the right to go on social media and start saying stupid things. You know how you're going to, I mean, it's one thing if you have a thought that once in a while, but when you're on online repeatedly using Facebook or other forms of social media, in a civil society, nobody would allow that. That's like allowing somebody to repeatedly stand up at a theater and say, fire, just to see what it looks like to have everybody run. And and I guess when you get to a certain age, you just kind of lose your equilibrium. And I think that's what he did. But I did. they had already visited, and the FBI had already visited him once. But he had threatened that he was going to go try to take out the president while he was in Utah. And that warranted the FBI showing up. Now, what I don't like about this story, because I know how the liberal media is, is they're going to try to turn this into a poster child for the luring white supremacy army that's out there. The imaginary huge white supremacy army, of, of which this man had no, didn't seem like he had any inclinations towards any kind of racial overtones. He simply hated this administration. And it seemed as if, you know, maybe living in isolation. I think he was widowed. His kids are all grown up. He had retired. I mean, that, the man was just sitting there stewing in his own fume or fuming in his own stew. Uh, but he was taken out, uh, and that's the end of the story. How the media takes this on and uses it, uh, that'll be up to the propagandist. Um, I'm sure he will not get, you know, his, his certainly he won't get his day in court now. And he accomplished nothing. And he's gone. And this sometimes anger can, can drag you down. You know, did he have a right to express his opinion? To a degree, but not with threats. And, um, but the media will use it. They'll use it, as they always do. You're listening to Speaking Out America, JR, Jim Watkins. Don't forget online, we are at speakingoutamerica.com. And our comment line is 941-800-2937. Again, Nan Su coming up shortly to talk about China, the latest developments. We'll continue in just a moment.
Well, Ron DeSantis showing some chutzpah. He fired his one of his state prosecutors, Monique Worrell. She is a Soros-backed DA. This is the one that I tell you about. You know, the Open Doors Foundation, which is a Soros organization, George Soros. And they purposely fund district attorneys who believe in their way of, of prosecution, which is basically to let criminals go free. Uh, and most recently, this woman, let's take a listen to her. Uh, this was, she had to say, about her being fired. Here, here she is. All right, well, good morning. I think this is the moment we've all been waiting for. Uh, if we're mourning every, anything this morning, it is the loss of democracy. I am your duly elected state attorney for the Ninth Judicial Circuit, and nothing done by a weak dictator can change that. So when she doesn't like somebody, they just call them a weak dictator. Now, what she didn't tell you is that she lets transgender activists go free when they commit violent acts. She recently let a pedophile go because the pedophile was a transgender. She refused to charge a, a, a young person, African-American, for trying to shoot a cop. So she's got this history. It's the open doors, justice reform ideology, which is that jail is bad because it's systemically racist. And what we've seen this as it plays out in places like Portland and Philadelphia, Seattle, I mean, pick a city, San Francisco, L.A., soft on crime leads to more crime, more criminal behavior. And in Orlando, which is so dependent on tourism dollars, if it were to fall the way a lot of these other big cities with prosecutors just like this woman, Morrell, then you would have an increase in crime. And this is by design. Uh, don't don't ask me why, but these people believe that going soft on crime is some sort of payback for all those years of locking people up up for committing crimes. And you've seen the videos on on TV of smash and grab; it's out of control, and nobody's being prosecuted. Why? Some sort of soft retribution, I suppose. They have it in their mind. I mean, sometimes it's amazing to me how different things have changed just in the last fifteen years. You know, you could walk into a store and you had shelves that were open. They weren't behind lock and key. Nobody was stealing. If there were, th- you know, occasionally you get somebody might try to, you know, stuff a bottle of something in their jacket. But now they're so brazen about it. And who's being ch- who's being charged with crimes are the, the store owners who are trying to defend themselves. And this is what Worrell is all about. So as soon as you start hearing them talk about um, there goes our democracy and, you know, he's a dictator. No, he wants his prosecutors to be tough on crime. He's doing it to, to protect the citizens of his state. May, may actually be one of the things that he's done recently that will raise his profile. We need tough on crime leaders. That's it. We see now what happens when you don't go tough on crime. Uh, let's see what else is going on. There were a couple of stories that kind of jumped out at me. Of course, we talked about Hawaii. We must all pray for the folks of Maui. Just unbelievable. Um, there's another story that is... Oh, what do you make of this Elon Musk and Zuckerberg thing? These two millionaires, they want to have a cage match. I just think it's stupid. 
These people can make so much of a difference, and and, and for the most part, they do. Um, But I don't understand it. It just um, you heard about the Ecuadorian presidential candidate shot in the head twice, outspoken. He was against um, the cartels. So say um, assassinated in broad daylight. State of emergency now for sixty days. Fernando Villa Vicencio was gunned down at a cam- campaign rally in Quito, Ecuador. Video of the assassination is widely circulating, showing an assassin firing multiple shots at close range while Villa Vicencio entered his vehicle on crowded streets. He just spoken in a high school before an audience of young, young supporters. When he stepped outside the door, he was met with gunfire. A member of Villa Vincio's campaign said of the candidate, there was nothing to be done. The shots were in the head. Uh, Villa Vincio, a legislator in the National Assembly, has been tireless in speaking out against organized crime, drug trafficking, and government corruption. Among his talking points on the campaign have been that Ecuador is a narco state being led by a political mafia. You know, I always grew up, my, my stepdad was from Mexico. And so he would leave the Mexican, forget the name of it, but it was always lying around. And it's, it was just just gruesome. You'd always see these pictures of people getting killed on the sidewalk and blood splattered. It was just, ugh. and I thought, man, that, that, that can never be like that here. Uh-huh. Let's see here. The uh, economy not doing too well right now. Inflation is making a comeback. CPI data. Uh, is stuck. Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Uh, dovish, more like hawkish, is headline inflation post first rise in 12 months. Expectations for the com- consumer, consumer price index are uh, for another 0.2% cone and headline month after month, number representing continuing slowing of the track of inflation. Whatever that means. Some of this stuff, I don't even know what it means. Like it goes up, it goes down, it goes across, it goes in. Nobody knows. What I do know is that the stock market hasn't gone up tremendously. It seems always to be hovering about the same. Which to me tells me that the economy is stagnant. Uh, and then he wants, you know, Biden, of course, wants to send another $10 billion to Ukraine. That thing's going to get heated up even more. So yesterday, we know that Moscow... Drone attacks in Moscow. Usually right after Moscow or any part of Russia gets attacked, a major city just gets pummeled in 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 Ukraine. There's no end in sight. That war's just gonna rage on and, and Biden's got his checkbook out once again. San Francisco, a new report says that San Francisco has had the worst recovery of any city from the pandemic. San Francisco downtown has 32% less foot traffic. Office building vacancies at 33%. Nobody ever would have thought, and nobody wants to take responsibility for the lockdowns. Gavin Newsom does not want to take any responsibility. Isn't it amazing that these intelligent people who get into positions of power and they never want to admit that they made mistakes ever? I mean, that's not the way my mom and my dad raised me. If you make a mistake, you admit it. And these people just don't want to make any concessions. They don't want to admit anything's wrong. 
They want to throw more money at it. And, you know, sadly, a lot of the money that left the city by the bay are tax dollars from people who own million and billion dollar homes. These are the Silicon Valley investors. And uh, they're gone. They're leaving. They're fleeing the state saying, I can't handle the taxes. I'm losing my money. So that means they have to come up with other forms of revenue in order to feed the ever-growing army of homeless, drug-addicted, mentally ill, uh, in many cases, just human waste that litters the streets. It's, it's tragic. It's tragic. And, it doesn't, and, and no one wants to grow up and say, we need to fix this. I mean, I, I see a day coming when they're going to start rounding up homeless people and sh- putting them in mental facilities. It's already coming. That's going to be the only end result is that they'll just have to remove these people and lock them away and put them in a place where we'll never see them again. And they'll just wither. You know, and it's unfortunate. One thing also I want to mention is uh, all the wonderful tributes for Robbie Robertson, the lead singer for the band. And he had a great solo career, too, back in the 80s as well. Um, Just just an incredible vocalist, great writer. And it was just happenstance because they uh, uh, had that opportunity to be the band that opened up for Bob Dylan at right about that time in the late in the mid sixties when Bob went electric and when Bob Dylan went electric, the band was his opening band and he shot them all the way to stardom. So, uh, sadly the guy was only about 80 years old, but he had a lot of problems, health problems. And, uh, so we'll miss his talent. He's one of the good ones. Well, the good news is, is that my Tampa Bay Rays are doing really well. Let me see if I can find the ALS standings. I want to try to get at least one good game in before I call it a summer. So in the AL East, you got Baltimore, uh, which is ahead of everybody else. I hope this is right. Uh, uh, their one win-loss record, 70-40. to 40. Tampa Bay is two games behind, followed by Toronto. Meanwhile, uh, in the AL Central, Minnesota's on top, and Texas in their division, AL West. Then over in the uh, the National League, you got Atlanta on top by three games uh, with a pretty impressive win-loss record, 72-40. And then the National League Central, Milwaukee ahead uh, by two and a half games over the Cubs. It'd be nice to see. It's always nice to see the Cubs if they could ever get into the playoffs. And then, of course, my L.A. Dodgers. I'm still loyal, uh, ahead by six games, ahead of San Francisco, with a win-loss of 67-46. So there you go. And we're way past the halfway point, which means we're getting to the playoffs pretty soon. And then, of course, the other big news, oh yeah, we love it. We've got football coming up soon, in the next couple weeks as well. And I can't wait for that. So then you got the end of the, uh, this is actually coming up on the best part of the year. You got all the great sports. You got football kicking in. And baseball winding up. Yeah, it'll be good. You know it. Have a great weekend. If I don't talk to you before then. And, of course, enjoy your Thursday wherever you may be. Speaking Out America, that's the name of the program. My name is Jim Watkins, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>